What a piece of work is a man! How noble in reason, how infinite in faculty, in form and moving, how express and admirable, in action, how like an angel, in apprehension, how like a god, the beauty of the world, the paragon of animals. You probably recognize that as Shakespeare. That's uh, Hamlet talking to Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. That's the nice part of that passage. Hamlet was pretty depressed most of the time. It's, it's passages like that which make me really want to have people appreciate Shakespeare still, which is hard. I think... I don't know if everybody has to be taught Shakespeare in, say, high school, which is typically where you face it. And even then, you know, I remember taking three, I think I only took three English classes, like grade 10, grade 11, grade 12. They had different divisions. I think I took the, the level one, there was level two, and I think there was level three as well, clearly targeting them at... I think I think they would have said proficiency levels. Um, it might also be fair to say levels of need, honestly. Uh, not everybody needs to have the fancy in English class. But in, in, in different years, they studied different plays. I remember Hamlet being one of the plays that we had studied. We did study some contemporary fiction as well. We didn't study contemporary theater, I think. I think I always was shouting, say, uh, seeing Shakespeare, although I, I seem to recall it was the Kevin Klein version. I may have that mixed up with another one, but I believe it was a Kevin Klein modern version that we had on videotape that was played in the front of class. I've since seen numerous versions, um, uh, none of which I can think of at the moment, but... Uh, and, and I've seen a number of other Shakespearean performances. We have a, a delightful summer theater every year that presents a Shakespearean play, sometimes two. Um, sometimes it's a Shakespearean play in a contemporary or another classical playwright. I think that's valuable as well. We also happen to have a lot of other contemporary and uh, other um, playwrights, uh, other plays, I should say. There are contemporary and local playwrights, including a local um, theater festival, which one of these days, I would actually like to write a short play for. But I think it's still valuable to to study Shakespeare. I think there's so much of Shakespeare which informs um, the way that modern, I hate to put it this way, but modern intellectual society um, has grown up and, and gets echoed and misquoted uh, numerous times in, in numerous forms of media. Now, I don't discount modern theater or modern musical lyrics for that matter. I think there's a great place to study all those. I think that that does seem to be, I think, some, some need for time to pass for people to really um, appreciate what lasts um, and to have some distance. Many things that come out are are exciting in the moment. They are fresh in the moment. But then after even just a short period of time goes by, the real 
test for them is if they're still interesting, if they're still good. Now, <laughs> nostalgia will also um, create a resonance several years later with those who experienced it the first time, not with those who are, are necessarily experiencing it for the first time, that's, are experiencing it now for the first time, who didn't experience it when it first came out, is what I'm trying to say. Um, but I, I find, I find I'm reaching for Shakespearean quotes. Now I, I, um, a little while ago I saw Stephen Fry on the late, late show with Craig Ferguson, or rather I watched, uh, the series of interviews between the two and both of them had been educated in a sort of British classical education. And both of them were able to to bring out these magnificent quotes by my old authors. Um, I don't know if it was Chaucer or Yeats or, you know, some of the, some of the incredible classical ones. I, I'm not, I'm not as familiar with those, but I, I think there, there can be recognitions of, of just how incredibly well put some of these words were. Um, and Shakespeare, either as an actual person or as a collective, or as uh, a sort of nom, nom de plume for several writers, whatever it happened to be, the collected works, um, not that I've, I've actually experienced all of them, and not at all, um, but everything that I've seen has these incredible moments in them, has these incredible speeches or turns of phrase. Um, Shakespeare was attributed um, to, to documenting, if not uh, creating several idioms, several turns of phrase, some coining several words and the usages of them. Again, I think, I think as much um, a, a documenter as a creator of some of those turns of phrase, but I think some of them are absolutely original, but it also just feels right to me that, um, that some of this literature has, has continued. But, I'm the kind of person who also believes that, you know, the school should be a lot more intense, a lot more of it, um, that I think a lot of people would benefit from it. I, I'm, I am sympathetic those, to, those, to, to those for whom the academic life is not suitable, for the, those who do not um, define themselves by intellect alone, um, which is where I did. I, I was useless in just about every other class. Um, that's not true. Uh, well, yeah, any, any of the classes that were intellect based, like, like math, um, literature to a certain degree that has a different, different form. And I still struggle with that. Um, history I never took. So I, I wish I had, um, sciences and, and so forth, but you know, take me to gym class or, or give me a hammer and I'm, I'm still struggling. I, I, I still, I'm, I'm not completely useless with a hammer. Thankfully that was an extracurricular activity. Um, and based on recent activity, I've been doing a lot of surprising amounts of not exactly carpentry, but, um, uh, decomposition of physical spaces and assembly of furniture. Um, but I am sympathetic, and I, and I think that I, I do believe in, in a general education, but I also believe in, an, in, a, in an understanding or sympathetic education. I don't, I don't know how you resolve those. Thankfully, that's not my problem to solve. Uh, but I, I think some exposure to all of this, I think maybe 
it has to do with grades. Um, I understand the purpose of grades, absolutely, of course. And I also understand why there are a failure in terms of actually being able to judge someone's uh, retention, understanding, and ability to to structure thoughts about things. Um, grades are a way to dehumanize results in many ways. Um, you know, proper interpretation is, is much more sophisticated, but also time consuming. And especially where we have the always continual pressure on, on educators that, um, you know, have to teach more students, um, reducing the amount of time per student uh, that they can perform. Ironically, that's also somewhat the, the passages I'm reading right now. Um, I was reading the other night in um, Brian Lumley's um, shoot. Uh, I've just dropped uh, ne- necro, not necromorph. I've just dropped the name somewhere. Uh, necroscope. That's what it is. Necroscope. And there's an entire passage which is as much a criticism of the education system as it is uh, about the potential of ghosts and uh, terrible entities from beyond and weird Lovecraftian science. Uh, But what led me down this path, as if you can imagine there's a path here, um, was just a a thought that, uh, as I was talking to some friends earlier, just about the, the, the wide variety, complexity, and... Um, utter, not exactly incomprehensibility, but but sort of um, the the sophisticated nature of, of human biology, just how incredibly diverse, complicated, and interactive, interactive, interacting it is, as well as how you know I, I I'm a firm believer in modern medicine and science, but I also know that they have not mastered it. Um, that they, from their particular perspective and from their particular theories, have success and, and more power to them. But there's also so many other under-appreciated and um, under uh, misunderstood aspects of the human body and so many other alternative points of view. Now, many of them are bunk, <laughs> absolute bunk based off of theory but not evidence, based off of conception but not practice, or based off of practice without understanding. Uh, And that last one does sometimes come about, does sometimes produce results, but um, most of the others are as much based on, well, I think it should work this way, as opposed to, well, it works this way. Um, but I, I, I firmly believe that we will still continue to f- discover, and we, and we do all the time, discover new things about the human body, how it works, how it interacts with things. And, of course, part of the problem of, of all science is trying to reduce the problems down to manageable chunks that can actually be understood, when in reality, everything is all interconnected. And... um it may not seem like it is, but it, it may also be the absolute fundamental thing that changes the universe. The very simple fact that we are hurtling through the universe as not only our planet orbits the sun, but our sun itself is on a massive orbit around our um, around the an arm of the spiral of our galaxy, 
which itself is also moving relative to the center point of the galactic cluster and so forth and so forth, that any assumptions we make in terms of local physics um, are based on having all those other variables already taken into account, if you will. Um, the whole idea that I can drink a cup of coffee on a train, even though both of us are moving at 50 miles an hour and the, because it's all relative to our, our, our perspective. But nonetheless, if that train rattles a little bit on its rails, it will have an effect on what I'm doing. And if that train rattles on a rhythmic basis, my tea is going to be disrupted um, or my coffee is going to be disrupted. So it's, you know, it's such a complicated interaction of everything um, that it is amazing. And, that, and that's where I started was just sort of like the amazement of just how, how incredible and complicated and largely accidental and um, barely sufficient uh, human biology in particular is, although it certainly applies to so many other forms of biology. And it also leads me to think that truly um, when when we describe alien beings, whether they be in, fat, in fantasy or in science fiction, one of my concerns has always been the limit of mankind's intellect, or probably more accurately, the limit of mankind's um, understanding. Uh, because we are so limited in our frame that we don't even understand what another alien being might be like. I was thinking of a particular example of this the other night. And it was, I was trying to remember what I was watching or what I was listening to. I think it was a podcast I was listening to. And it was about the phenomenon of aphasia. Aphasia is where a person does not have an internal visualization of concepts um, or of anything, to be honest. Um, they don't have running pictures in their head. So when someone says to them, imagine a, a, a baseball, and others describe how they're seeing the baseball, this person does not. This person doesn't understand what they even mean by that. And that alone is it's an example within humanity of something where um, it might be difficult to really understand, especially for those who do not have aphasia, what it is like other than a, a lack, other than a numbness, other than um, some sort of surface or unengaged reality or unengaged perception of reality. And so trying to imagine truly what an alien is like um, which is what science fiction does all the time that plays the what if game. What if aliens didn't have an internal visual sense of things? What if they didn't imagine things? What if instead they had an entirely different logic base? Um, how different would we be if everyone had aphasia? How different will we be in the sort of what if scenario if everyone, uh, if, the, if aphasia faded out? If it was no longer a feature of humanity in, say, a million years, um, how weird would that be? Uh, and, you know, again, what an amazing uh, piece of work is man. Um, yeah, fascinating. 
I've been wondering out loud. I'm Mark Dean Caffeinated One. I don't, I think I was stronger in what I was saying. I don't think I got to the point necessarily that I thought I was going to get to. But, uh, but nonetheless, I hope I landed somewhere on that volley of thought. I apologize. I am going to go try to go back to 10 minutes, but clearly um, that's difficult. I also want to say that following up on what I said last night, I did actually write morning pages this morning. It wasn't really a hard exercise. It took me about 27 minutes long. Um, it wandered considerably, but I think it was interesting where I sort of ended up digging up some things. It, it reminds me kind of 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 digging in the grass in the yard and turning the sod and discovering something underneath it and then wanting to put the sod back afterwards. But we'll see. If I can do a week of this, which I hope I can, um, then maybe I can do another week of this. And then maybe I can do another week of this. And then before I know it, I've done 100 weeks of this. 100 weeks. Well, it's only two years. That's, that's a good start. In any case... I bid you adieu, have a delightful night or morning, and consider just how amazing biology is. And yet we do it every day without even thinking. Jeez. I'll talk to you again tomorrow.